Well, good morning, Central, here in the house. Yeah, can we give God a hand for what He's doing through Alex, that ministry, for what He's already doing in the house today. Welcome to all you here in the house and welcome to those of you joining us online. We're in week two of this series called Heart Wired. And if you're new, my name's Corey, one of the pastors that gets to serve here. If you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew. We're gonna be bouncing between two chapters, Matthew 28, which Alex referenced there, and Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter what? Really good. This side, where you at? No, it's okay. Uh, We'll get you there. We'll get you there. But yeah, we'll be in Matthew chapter four for the bulk of our time. Really just kind of talking about one verse. But this series, Heartwired, like you heard Pastor Craig say there, is really just an internal look at what makes us tick. I love that uh, heart monitor. Man, that's so cool. Our production team is just amazing. As soon as I pointed at it, it like lit up. That was. Can we give a hand to our production team? They're amazing. Paul, that, that's dope. Um, but, but it's about what makes us t- tick. Like what is our heartbeat? Just like, you know, a light switch is hardwired in your house. There are things that are hardwired in us as humans. There are things that are hardwired in us as believers. And there are things as a church called Central and as a family of churches called Water's Edge that are hardwired in us. And it all comes down to that M word that, that Craig mentioned, mission. Everybody say mission on the count of three. One, two, three. If you missed it last week, Pastor Craig did a phenomenal job kind of breaking down eschatology, like the idea of how church and mission have, have kind of crisscrossed paths through the centuries. But what it means to really not abdicate the, the mission of the church, but really integrate this idea that missions isn't something that some people do. But when we say yes to Jesus, like we've talked about time and time again, when we come alive in Christ, spiritually alive by saying yes to him and we follow Jesus, we all sign up for the great commission. And you heard Alex say it there. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Now I could preach an entire day on just that sentence. First off, did you notice Jesus said authority was given to him? Man, theological bombshell. In other words, in the Trinity, there's submission. In an equal Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Father gave me authority. What? That's crazy. Y'all can dig into that. Those of you that love theology, your whole week, I just stole it from you. Just read that over and over again and pray for wisdom. But he says, authority has been given to me, but he says, all authority. Somebody say all on the count of three. One, two, three. All. All in heaven and on earth. In other words, all authority for the things we can see and everything we can't see, Jesus owns it. He, he, he has authority in all of it. And just right off the bat, if you are under the sound of my voice here in the room or watching online, that should be enough to get you fired up. If you've said yes to Jesus, the fact that we have a good king, a God king that loves us like a father, we come to him with respect, reverence and all, but at the same time, we could run on sit on Papa God's lap because he is our dad. The Bible says that he is our friend. He is our savior and servant that laid his life down for us on the cross. He is our conquering Messiah that rose from the grave, conquering sin, death and hell. Like the fact that all authority has been given to that God and he loves us means no matter what you're going through today, you can wake up and go, woo, Jesus has the power over it. I don't know about you, but for me, that's just an encouragement today. Some of you, that's all you needed. You can tune me out the rest next 20 minutes or two hours. We'll see how long I go. And, uh, but that's what you need to be reminded that all authority is Jesus's. And when we sign up to be on his team, 
we do fight and pray and lead lives from a place of victory. But then it gets to the crux of the matter, that great co-mission, the heartbeat of Central. For over 100 years, this church has existed, and this is the heartbeat. For almost 2,000 years, the church, capital C, Kingdom Church, has existed. And this is the heartbeat. This is the mission statement. This is what makes us tick. Matthew chapter 28. If you don't know the context, if you didn't grow up in church, Jesus died, like legit died. And there were no resuscitators like Jesus clear. Like that didn't happen. He was put in a grave for three days and then he actually rose from the dead. I said it before. I will not stop saying this. That's the reason I follow Jesus. That really is it. A lot of people get all caught up in the Old Testament. Was there really a flood? What about dinosaurs? Here's the deal. If somebody can predict their own death, burial, and resurrection and pull it off, I follow them. That's it. I will li- if you can beat death, I will listen to you. I will worship you. Like, that's it. And the dude did it. There's biblical evidence and extra biblical evidence that this guy died on the cross and rose from the grave. And it literally changed the trajectory of the world. So much so it even split our timeline in half. And so Jesus, after he rose from the grave, looked at his disciples and he said this, go therefore. So in light of the fact that I have beaten sin, death, hell, and the grave, in light of the fact that all authority has been given to Jesus, he says, go. Somebody say go on the count of three. One, two, three. Your entire life is a mission on which we go. 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 Some of you are like, should I help my neighbor out? Go. Should I talk to them about, should I invite them to church this Christmas? Go. Go, go, go. It's hard to keep things stable when there's no momentum. You want some momentum or you want some stability in your life? Get moving. Go towards God. Ask God what he has next for you. And he says, go therefore and make disciples. Massive word we don't understand now. I'll just say this because I preached way too long the first service and I'll try not to put you guys through that. But that word is intrinsic to our mission. It's imperative to our mission. He didn't say go and make converts. It's not about getting people to recite a certain amount of words. Because if it was about the words you say, that would be an incantation. That's witchcraft. We don't believe that. It's about the posture of people's hearts. So it's not about people getting to recite some words, raise a hand and become a convert and think they can live however they want to live and still get into heaven. But rather it is about introducing people to the grace, mercy, love, peace and joy found in Jesus and allowing them to step into that freedom and become a disciple of Jesus. It's funny, today I, I travel around and people like will look me up on Instagram. They'll be like, oh, you're really religious. And I'll be like, actually, I'm not. Um, not in the context that you mean it. Like taking care of the orphans and widows. Yeah, I'm about that religion. But when they say they're like, oh, well, you're a Christian. I don't even necessarily, like I'm not playing semantics with you guys. I don't claim the word Christian. I'll, I'll tell people I'm a Christ follower. Because I, I believe in following. Christian wasn't something that they called themselves. Christian was a title they earned. You can check it out in the New Testament. It said in the cities, they they acted so much like Jesus that the secular people that didn't believe in Jesus made fun of them by calling them little Christ. Christian was the word. You look like little versions of that guy we killed, but he rose from the grave, so that's pretty crazy. You look like little Jesuses, little Christians, like Christian. But their title was, I follow Christ. I am a Christ follower. And to be a follower of Christ means to be a disciple under him. Here's a modern day translation. Are you apprenticing under Jesus? 
Are you saying, Jesus, here is the way you lived your life. Here's the way you walked, talked, and ate. And what does that look like in my context in 2021? How do I walk the way you walk, talk the way you talk? How does my life surrender under the way? I love that. Do you know like it wasn't called the church in the first century? It was called the way. That sounds so like cool, right? Like, well, how do you live your life in the way? You know, it's like, oh, what's the way, <laughs> right? But he says, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. What are you supposed to do with your life? Make disciples of all nations. Some of you are like, whoa. So that means the United States. Yeah. And God we trust. Let's go. Some of us, like, let's, let's make it happen here. But that also means Mexico. That also means Nicaragua, Guatemala. That also means Argentina. That means Jamaica, Wagwan. Yeah. That means Haiti. That means the UK. That means Iraq. And Iran, that means the United Arab Emirates, that means China, that means South Korea and North Korea. That means God wants us to care about all nations equally. God bless the USA and no, there was a movie that was like, God bless the US and no one else. And I was like, that's actually like some of our hearts sometimes. But God says as Christ followers, we look at the world equally and we are called to the world equally because we were enemies of Christ and God saved us and he showed his mercy on us. So we show that to others. So our great mission, what makes us tick, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Side note, if you're sitting in here today and you've said yes to Jesus and you haven't got baptized, step one, that's it. And the colder it is, the more you remember it. It's perfect outside today. <laughs> we will make it happen. No pneumonia in Jesus' name. Let's go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, trying God, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching. It, the, the Bible talks about how Jesus did three primary things when he was on this earth. He taught, he preached, and he healed. He would teach, preach, and heal. Teach, preach, and heal. I don't know if you know this, there's a difference between teaching and preaching. There's a different, those are two different gifts. Side note, I kind of love that about Central. Like we kind of have some amazing preachers and teachers. I'm not gonna lie, I recognize I tend to be a little preachy. Some of you are like, at least he's self-aware. But <laughs> I tend to be a little preachy. Pastor Craig, I mean, he can preach, he can throw down, but he is a phenomenal teacher of the word of God. Like that dude, did y'all know he writes commentaries for fun on scripture? Doesn't even publish them. He does that for fun. Who is that? Who does that? Anyway, that's your pastor. That's our pastor. But, but Jesus would teach the word. Teaching is, this is what it looks like. This is how you do it. That's teaching. Preaching is to proclaim truth. Preaching is when we proclaim the gospel. Like when I just said, Jesus was real. He did live. He did die on a cross. He did sit in the grave for three days dead. He did beat sin, death, and hell. And he raised from the grave victoriously. And he sent his Holy Spirit. And he's in heaven preparing a place for you and I. That's preaching. That's truth. But it's cool to hear that. But then what does that look like? That's teaching. The Bible says... Your mission, my mission is to teach people the ways of Jesus. Just teach them. Just teach them what you know. Just go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey or observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. It is the great commission because you have been commissioned, but it is the great co-mission because we don't do it alone. We do it with Jesus. 
And so when you ask like, what is our heartbeat? How are we heartwired? Why are we doing all that we're doing? It's because that, like Jesus beat sin, death in the grave. And then he rose and he said, here's your marching orders. Go and make disciples of all nations. And so we go, amen, let's do it. Let's figure that out. But for some of us, as I read that, that's a lot. It kind of either goes over our heads or maybe we've heard it so much. We've memorized it. It's kind of lost its potency. And so for the rest of our time today, I just want to camp out in one verse in Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus is calling his first disciples. And he kind of takes this mission and he contextualizes it for their career path. Because I don't know about you, as I hear that, like I love in Alex's video, he said, man, I didn't realize in my business world, working with software and all this, that God was actually preparing me for what he was calling me to. Some of us hear the Great Commission and we're like, go and make disciples of all nations, but I'm an accountant. <laughs> I'm a cafeteria woman. I'm a COO. Like, what does that mean for me? Jesus strolled up on the shore of Galilee and he saw some fishermen. And this is what Jesus said to Simon and Andrew. These are two brothers. Jesus comes up to these fishermen and he summarizes the marching orders. He summarizes the mission this way. He says, and, it said to the, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's it. That's our verse for today. I don't know, how many of you are like a one verse person? Like, I just need one verse today. That's me some days. Like, just give me a verse. I'll read that one. I'm going to read it again. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, first thing I want to point out there, again, I just said this, but he said, follow me, follow me. He didn't say find me. You know that? In other words, saying yes to Jesus, entering this life in Christ is not about finding Jesus or finding yourself. It's not about finding a destination. It's about following. There is no destination where you will go, like while you're on this side of eternity, I don't think you'll ever go, I figured it all out. I know all truths of God. I get why everything happens. That won't happen. How many of you know that just don't happen, right? Because it's not about finding Jesus. It's about following him. It is a journey at Zeal down in Jamaica. We say, we just want to help you take your next step on your God journey because we're all on that journey towards following Jesus and God. And he says, follow me, do as I do, walk as I walk, talk as I talk, learn as you follow, learn as you go. Again, some of us are like, man, I don't know if I'm ready to get baptized. I don't know if I'm ready to lead a small group. I don't know if I'm ready to serve on the greeting team. I don't know if I'm ready to jump in in the student ministry. I don't know if I'm ready. I love that Jesus didn't say get ready and then come. He just, just said follow. He just said follow. In other words, Jesus' method of discipleship wasn't, hey, sign up for this eight-week class and then you're ready to get baptized. It wasn't sign up for this 12-week course and then you're ready to lead. It was, hey, let's figure it out as we go along. Come on, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes. Come on. That was how Jesus did discipleship. Isn't that amazing? He let the disciples fail forward. So if you've ever messed up, if you've ever misquoted scripture, the person Jesus is talking to who became the lead pastor of the most powerful church in Jerusalem, he once looked at Peter and called him the devil. Jesus has probably never called you Satan, so you're doing great, right? So he looks at these fishermen and he says, follow me and I will take your career. I will take what you understand about life and I will transform it to not just feed your family, but transform souls. 
I will make you fishers of men. The title of my message today is an amazing card game called Go Fish. Everybody on the count of three say go fish. One, two, three. Look at your neighbor and say go fish. Tell somebody go fishing. If you're a fisherman, this is the sign that this is your church. If you like to fish, you're like, man, I needed affirmation, God. This is it. Go fish. That's the title of my message. Because he looked at some fishermen and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let's go fish. Now, quickly, I think he picked fishermen. Did y'all know out of the 12 disciples, four of them were career fishermen? A third of the 12 dudes that changed the trajectory of the world were fishermen. I think that was the case for two reasons. One, fishermen understand patience. <laughs> and if ministry takes a lot of patience. Because people like fish are a little difficult, right? <laughs> and so I think fishermen understood patience. But more importantly, I think God chose fishermen because fishermen know how to tell a story. You ever talk with a fisherman? How was your catch today? I caught a fish this big, right? No, I'm just, right? Fishermen can tell a story. Why? Because they sit around all day and they got to learn how to talk and communicate and be engaging. And it's no surprise that he had the greatest story ever told. So why not get some of the greatest storytellers to tell it? So he grabs four fishermen and he looks at them and he says, your career, I will transform it, re-engage it, pivot it towards the kingdom of God. And you think you're catching some amazing things right now. I will make you fishers of men. Let's go fish. Now, as I've heard this, I've heard it preached in conferences. I've heard it preached at sermons and I've thought about it a lot. And and this is what usually happens. This is how it's usually broken down. We get in our our churches, our boats. Um, I asked our production team for a boat. And uh, this is what I got. Um, I'm just kidding. This is amazing. I just love that they go the extra mile and continue just pulling out all the stops. But um, this is the boat that is central. It's nice, right? Just paddle together. And the way I've heard this preach is, so we, we got to be fishers of men. So we get our boats, like we talked about two, two, three weeks ago. The boat that is our church is not so much a cruise ship where it's about our preferences Right. Like we don't go to church because they play the music we want and the speaker says what we like to hear and it's the right temperature. That's how we pick a cruise liner. What, it's consumeristic. Right. We go to church again, like C.S. Lewis says, the church is more like a battleship. The, the church is where we come alive in Christ, step into the army of God and we enlist in the local church that God calls us to to serve however we can to keep the boat moving forward so we can be fishers of men. Amen? Amen. Amen. Again, this side. Thank you. That side. I should have put the boat over there. But we're in the boat called Central. And as I've heard this, I'll make you fishers of men. And so what we do metaphorically is we pull out our metaphorical ministries, right? Our, um, I hope this works. And, uh, and we put all our systems together and we get the right building. And the buildings are great and systems are good and, and series are awesome. And then we combine all our resources to, to get ready to fish for men. And then we, uh, we get the right bait, the right lure. Like think about it when it comes to making disciples of all nations. We're like, ooh, here's the right missionary. Here's missionary Bobby or here's church planner Linda, right? And we go, okay, we're going to spend a bunch of money 
and we're going to spend a lot of time and resources and give you language training and hours and hours of this, this, that, and the other. And then what we're going to do is, is, is there's a pond across the state called Detroit, or there's a lake across the country called Colorado, or there's a sea called Indonesia. And what we do is we take all these time and these resources and we're like, all right, Linda, let's plant a church. Go. Well, she didn't make, she made it to Wisconsin, but whatever. Um, they need Jesus too. Um, and, we play, and, we, and we send them out and this isn't bad. Guys, sometimes there, there are places in the world that have no Christ followers. And sometimes you need to parachute somebody in. This isn't awful. But what happens is we'll, we'll, we'll cast them out and, and we just wait for a bite. We're like, how's it going, Linda? You know, we get the support emails, all that stuff. And, it, and all of a sudden, like six months, 18 months, 24 months later, oh, we're like, we got a bite, right? And we reel them in and we're like, how's it going? And they're like, oh, I started a Bible study. This thing. We're like, yeah, we're also, and that's good. It's good, right? And what do we do? We cast them back out. Oh, let's see. Oh, that was a little better. Made it to Indonesia. And we cast them back out. We're like, all right, here we go again. And then what do we do? We're like, oh, we need to go visit them. And so what we do is we, go, we do short-term missions where, where we send a team from our boat over to hang out with the bait and the lure. And we're like, how's it going? How's the fish? And we're like, hey, let's take pictures with the fish, you know, like trophy fish. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. Instead of fish, though, we come and we take pictures with the orphans and with the people that are hurting. And it's less of a mission trip and more poverty tourism. It always gets quiet when I say that. And we're like, oh, wait, wait, take it again, take it again. Their, their eyes weren't open and I need it for the gram. Right? Nobody gets so many likes with this orphan. And, 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 we, and we take pictures and stuff. And we're like, that's great. And then, and then we go back to our boat and we post about it. And it's more like Christian PR than it is actual impactful. Now, I'm not saying it can't be impactful. But sometimes what happens is because there's nothing sustainable here and we just keep reeling it back in, what we actually create is something not sustainable, something that's dependent on someone else. You create sometimes poverty mentality. You actually cause more damage than good because what happens? We keep reeling in and hitting the eject button on what God may be doing there and it creates a spiritual void. And I wonder when it came to this illustration, here I'll reel this back in so I don't trip and kill myself here. But I wonder when it comes to this illustration, is it was we think, oh, we're fishing for men. And again, th th there's room for this. There's room for, for being strategic with the bait. The problem is sometimes what you catch them with, you got to keep them with. So sometimes some churches are like, oh, we need really good bait. And so we're going to do, we're going to have a really amazing speaker and a really great singer. But the problem is then the consumeristic people that came for that bait, when that singer or that speaker isn't there, it was never about a relationship with Jesus and community and serving. It was all about, am I getting the bait that I want? And you again have created something not healthy. But I wonder if Peter, if Peter was here with us today, if he would see this example and go, wow, that's interesting, but um, that's not how we fish. See, Peter would say, no, 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 we don't fish with bait and rod and reels. When Jesus looked at Peter and Andrew and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, they would say, we don't fish with rod and reels. We fish with nets. See, they didn't understand that illustration when Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, what they understood is what you were doing on a daily basis, 
raising your money, selling fish, getting your money together so that you could mend your local net so that you create an even bigger net and then really experienced fishermen wouldn't just have one boat. They would go out with a fleet of boats over a region of their local lake, like the Sea of Galilee, and then they would cast a net over a region together so that they wouldn't just reel in one fish, but rather a harvest in a region. This is why for a long time, we called it the water's edge network. Because instead of casting a missionary over to Indonesia, can I get another boat out here? Y'all, can we give our tech team another hand, our production team another hand, they're amazing. I'll wrap this up pretty quick here. Again, I asked for like a yacht and I got a kayak, but um, no, this has been awesome. This is so great. I love this. But instead of casting some bait over in Indonesia, instead we said, well, who knows those waters? Who's the captain of a fishing vessel over in Jakarta, Bogor, that already knows the waters, that already speaks the language? And we found Pastor Sandy. And Pastor Sandy in Pangrango Church, if you didn't know it, is one of our church partners in the Water's Edge family of churches. And he's sitting over here in Bogor, Indonesia, in one of the most highly Islamic areas in the world. And he is seeing people come to know Christ. Not five people, not ten people, but hundreds of people are attending. Hundreds of fish of souls are coming into this boat. And so what we get to do as central, what we get to do as these domestic U.S. churches is say, how can we combine our resources together and come and go, hey Sandy, you know these waters. You know what these people need. Our systems, our ideas, they may work, but they may not here. So here are our resources. Here is the net. Can we cast it out with you and let's see what we can catch. You see the difference in strategy? Local fishermen in local ponds, local pastors in local communities reaching local people just like we do here. And guys, that is the heartbeat. Some of this heartwired is just what do we see happening with our church here at Central, with our network of churches, with our family of churches called Water's Edge? We're about to go fishing in 2022. We're about to cast some bigger nets. And so just for a few moments, can I share with you how we're going to cast those nets? Because, because as I think about this illustration, I think about the last time I really got to go fishing a couple years ago. Um, I was fishing down in the Florida Keys. I got to do some fly fishing for tarpon. I asked in the first, do they do fly fishing in Michigan? Is that a thing? Three of you say yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. He was like, yes, again, this is my church. All right. Um, but I got to do some fly fishing for tarpon off a little flats boat or whatever. And before we went out in, in the Keys, it was a bright, sunny South Florida day. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm relatively tan, but like underneath this shirt, I'm a pale, like white boy. Like it's radiant. It'll blind you. And so like I had to do the sunscreen thing. So I lather up, but I'm with like four other grown men pastors. And so it came time to like sunscreen my back. And I like looked at those guys and I was like, I ain't about that. Like I ain't having some grown men, hairy dudes, you know, rub me down on my back. So I was like, I got this, right? And so I did the whole, you know. And then at the end of the day, fishing all day, I come back and I sit at the pool and I lean against the chair and I'm like, ow, that hurt. I look over at one of the guys named Fred and I was like, hey, Pastor Fred, uh, did I get a little burned on my back? And he goes, let me see. And I turn and he busts out laughing. And he goes, give me your phone, give me your phone, give me your phone. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he takes a picture of my back and this is what it looked like. And um, 
You can see where I tried with my hand. That's my hand. I was like, ah, I got it. Take that down. I was really out of shape then. It's, it's not good. But like, but, but Fred looked at me and he was like, Corey, like, why didn't you tell me? I would have totally had your back. I would, and out of my pride, I didn't want to ask for help. But what he looked at me, he's like, dude, Corey, I got your back. All you got to do is ask. I know that's a funny fishing story, but what I love about the network, the church family, the family of churches we're in, is that's why we're in it together. Because we have Sandy's back. We have Pana and Phnom Penh in Cambodia's back. We have Pastor Peter in Kiev, Ukraine's back. We have Omar and Lizanne's back down in Jamaica. We have Wes's back. We have Torrin's back in Grand Rapids over in San Diego. We have Mitch's back down. It's amazing when somebody's got your back. Look at your neighbor and say, I got your back. Tell them, say, I got your back. Some of us came in here alone today. I got your back. Kathleen, I got your back. I got your back. It's okay. That's, we do this together because together we form this net that we let down over our local communities and cities. Guys, you see, like, this is what we've been doing, right? Like, Central was one church, and then what did we do? We planted Torrid in Grand Rapids, and he's a local over there. And then all of a sudden, we extended the net. Then did what we do? We adopted a church called Overflow in Benton Harbor. Then what did we do? We adopted another church called LifeBridge in South Haven. And all of a sudden, over Southwest Michigan, guess what there is? A net of churches where if you meet anybody in any of these cities, you can invite them to one of our churches, and God can move in their lives. And then God extended that. We started partnering with Mitch down in Redeemer Church in Tampa. We started, we planted a church during a pandemic, which is insane. Some of us are just like, oh, that's cute. That doesn't happen. We planted a church in a pandemic down in Nashville, Tennessee. Now there is a net across the Southeast. Then we have our, a partner over in San Diego, California, Pastor Wes at Captivate Church. You see the net that God is working across the United States with us? And then, like I said, we get to have Sandy's back over in Indonesia. Guys, I know you don't know this, but I've gotten to travel over there and see those guys. Sandy has been kicked out of his auditorium multiple times because of Islamic police forces and political oppression there. And yet they're still growing and going. They just launched their fourth service a couple weeks ago. Can we give God a hand for that? Four services. They have like a little 50, 60 person venue. It's like as big as some of you's living rooms and they're doing one Saturday night service, three Sunday morning service and broadcasting online. And they've already launched another church in another part of Indonesia. Like this guy's faith is amazing. And so you know what we have an opportunity to do this year? If we get enough resources together, there has been a restaurant just down the street from them. Like initially we were trying to find some land to build a building, which was gonna cost like a million dollars. But because of the pandemic, how many of you know what the enemy means for evil, God can use for good? A restaurant had to close up. And guess what that restaurant's perfect for? A church. And it's gonna seat three to 500 people. And guess what? It may be within our budget if we get enough resources together. And if this happens in the next year, we're gonna be able to cast an even greater net in Indonesia. I am like, I, I don't see, I'm like about to bust. I'm like, ah, this is so exciting, right? I'll take it a step further. Over in Ukraine, Pastor Peter, you guys know, we've been supporting him for over a decade. I, I, don't, you, I didn't get to see, say this the first service. Pastor Peter may be one of the very first pastors in Ukraine to ever retire. Because I don't know if you know this, Ukraine was communist. It was run by the Russians. In other words, Christianity was illegal. And he was among the first pastors to graduate seminary. We started supporting him. So we may have the privilege to retire one of the first pastors in an entire country. 
But as a part of this, he has already planted 12 daughter churches in the next year. If we get enough resources together to get this net functioning over there, we're looking to bring maybe one, two, or maybe even three of those churches into the Water's Edge family, increase their resources so that we can broaden the net. We're going to go from one to possibly four boats casting nets in Kiev, Ukraine in the next two to three years. Can we give God a hand for that? That's because of you guys. That is because of you. You're going to have these crazy Ukrainian people running up speaking Ukraine and rushing to you in heaven, thanking you. Spasiba, spasiba, spasiba. And you're going to, I don't know you. And they're like, yeah, but you gave in Holland. And because of that, there was a net cast and my family was caught in the kingdom of God. God is opening doors. And, and, you know, obviously in Jamaica, we're still in line, but God's working. In Cambodia, Pastor the pastor over there, Pastor Pana, they just had their first regathering after the pandemic this last Sunday. So they're back gathering in person. So keep them in your prayers. But right now, God has us in four countries with four churches. And we're talking to a church in South America. Whew, that gives me excited. any Any Latinos in the house? Anybody? Oh, hola, como esta? Muy bien. Bienvenidos, iglesia. Yeah. That was funny. I was excited you're here in Holland. That was a long shot. Uh, I'm really glad you're here. But we're maybe getting down to South America and we may be expanding into Africa. In the next three years, guys, what I get to do is I get to work with our international churches. Right now we're seeing just over 1,000 people on a weekly basis come into our international church locations. In the next three years, our goal is to see over 3,000 people coming weekly to our churches. And here's the deal. We count people because people count. Amen. We count people because people count. We also count people because people count to God. So much so there's a book called Numbers in the Bible. <laughs> Numbers matter to God. Acts chapter 2, it says over 3,000 people got saved in one day and baptized. So our goal is to equip these amazing local boat captains, these local church pastors with whatever resources we can to extend their nets and watch God work here in Southwest Michigan, here in the United States, and to all nations. And on top of that, guys, I want to take it a step further. I didn't get to say this in the first service, but you are the second super spiritual service. You're well rested and I can just go as long as I want. Like we have a goal with our international campuses for at least half of them in the next two to three years to become self-sustaining financially. We don't want them to be dependent on Central's money for the rest of their church lives. Because what if something happens here? We want them not to just become self-sustaining. Pastor Peter and Pastor Sandy have committed to try and not only become self-sustaining, but to then in the next two to three years to start giving a percentage of everything they get to help other Water's Edge churches get planted and other Water's Edge churches grow. Guys, I cannot wait for the day. I hate a poverty mentality. I cannot wait for the day when Zeal down in Jamaica, when Transformation Church over in Ukraine, when, Pan when Pangrango Church in Indonesia get on the phone and they call up Pastor Craig and they say, hey, what a central need. Because we have your back as much as you had ours. We are a family of churches. And God equips who he calls. And he is working in this family through a network that is casting over all nations. I can't wait for that day. And we're believing for God to move like that. So a lot of you are sitting here and you're going, okay, this is cool. Thanks for the mission, vision. It's like an Apple TED Talk. This is where we're going. Here's the new iPhone, right? What does that mean for us? I'll just be direct. First, I would just ask you to pray. Pray, God, what do you want me to do as a part of this local ship? What do you want me to do? How can I maybe strengthen? The Bible would say when he called 
James and John, it said they were mending their nets. Guys, there's some holes in our boat here. There's some things we need to improve here. God may be calling you to be a local mender. To going, hey, I'm going to step up and serve in this area. I'm going to step up and give so we can renovate this. Because our boat needs to keep floating because people here need to get saved. Amen. Some of you may go, oh, I know what I can do. Like God has given me this talent, this ability. After this service, right out these doors to the left, there's the prayer room right there. Alex and myself are going to be meeting. If you're interested in what we're doing internationally, whether it be mission trips, healthy short-term mission trips, where we partner with somebody on the ground in their sustainable relationship, whether you're interested in being a a part of the long-term support team, maybe that's your role in the network. Maybe that's your role in the net. And some of you are sitting out there and you're like, man, I don't know what I can do. But like one of my old CFOs used to say, he was like, I don't like mission trips, but I do like vacations with a purpose. And, uh, and by that, he would say, my gift is generosity. He would say it all the time. He goes, I'm really good at making money. How many of you wish you had that gift too, right? Like, come on. Uh, but he was. And he, said, he would say, put me on a plane. Let me see the work. And if it's good work, take me to the resort. Let me go sit on the beach and I'll write a big check. Like, I'm not totally about that. But let me tell you what, he resourced the net and the ministry in some amazing ways. Some of you may be sitting out there and that's you. You're like, you know what I can do? I can resource that net and I can make it so much bigger than you could ever imagine. I would just ask you to pray. But the last thing I would throw out there as the band comes up, we're just going to sing one more song. And I asked him to close it with like a hype song because this is fun to me. Like if you're sitting out there and you're just like, it's cold. All right. Like, I, are you saved? Like we're talking about people going from death to life, hell, to heaven. People across the world of other languages coming out of a poverty mentality into a prosperity mentality in heaven, not for things in this earth, but for eternal glory in heaven. We are talking about families getting reconciled under the name of Jesus. We are talking about relationships. We are talking about people getting healed all through God allowing us to be a part of it. Like, whoo, it gets me so fired up. But it all starts with following Jesus and fishing for men. Going back to that mission, make disciples. Not too long ago, I was in uh, Guatemala and um, it was actually just a surf trip. We got to hang out like in an orphanage and it turned into like, it's funny when you take Christ followers on a trip, every trip is a mission trip. You could go on a cruise and if you got Jesus, somebody getting saved. Like it's just, you just go with a kingdom radar up. And it was one of those kind of trips. We were going down to Guatemala to surf and we were in a bank line and my buddy Noah ended up witnessing to this guy in the bank line and he was crying. And I was like, why is that guy crying? He was like, he just gave his life to Jesus. I was like, how does that happen? And then that night there was a local coffee shop and that guy introduced us to the owner of the coffee shop and we ended up playing music, ended up playing worship music, ended up having like a worship session at a coffee shop in Panajachel, Guatemala. Then we ended up out on the beach surfing and there was, um, there was these three men, well, there was two men and a young man. And they were fishing with nets. And as we went up, we just went up to talk to him. I was practicing my Spanish at that time. And it turns out it was the grandfather, father, and son. And it was cool. The grandfather went out to the water line and I watched him cast his net. And then the father was sitting with the son and he was like, now watch him. And then the father was like, now watch me. And I got a picture of the father went out there and just like a pro just casted this net. I mean, I was impressed. I was like, wow. And the son was sitting with the granddad watching. And then they came back and they handed the son the net. Your turn. And he could barely hold the net. You know, he's a little guy. He's like 12 years old. And he grabs his big old net and he's getting all tangled up. And he was like, 
And they laughed and they were like, good try, good try. And they, they picked it back up and they're like, now watch again. And they did it and they did it and they gave it to him. And after about an hour, he, he was getting it out there. And I thought, what a picture of discipleship to make disciples. This week, who are you following? Who are you learning from? And what net are you casting? And who are you teaching to cast that net? Who's following you? Who are you making disciples of? I'll say this last thing. I was in college and like most people in college, I didn't know what to do with the rest of my life. You know, anybody ever been there? You're like, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? For some reason in your early 20s, that's just a thing, right? Like, ah, what am I gonna do? Some of you are, are like 50 and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> it happens, different seasons. But I had one of those moments where I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I sat down with my pastor, Pastor, pastor Mike at Greenhouse Church in Gainesville, Florida. And uh, he was like, what's up? And I was like, man, I'm just worried. I don't know what I'm gonna do after college. What am I gonna do with my life? What am I gonna do with my life? And he said, well, what's the last thing God told you to do? I said, what? He goes, what? Well, God hadn't told you nothing new. Do the last thing he told you to do. That's a word for some of you. Like, God, what am I supposed to do? He's like, the last thing I told you. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And he goes, well, you know what you're supposed to do. And I was like, do I? <laughs> Dumb. And he goes, yeah, Matthew 28. If you don't know what to do, go make disciples. Make disciples. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, that sounds cool. Sounds spiritual. But then this pastor got up in my grill in a loving way because he knew like I was a Christ follower. And he goes, well, how many disciples have you made this year? Right, that was my face. She went, <laughs> I was like, ease up, bro. <laughs> That's a real pastor. A real pastor will challenge you when you need to be challenged. He said, well, how many, it was October in the school year. So we had two months left in that school year or in that year, calendar year. And I said, maybe one. And then he said this to me, he goes, how long have you been saved? Says since I was six. And he goes, hmm, I think you know what you're supposed to do. Go and make disciples. Go and introduce people to Jesus. And so I did. Like I started a small group. We had some fraternity guys come. And by December, we had three fraternity guys give their life to Christ in my living room at the University of Florida. And out of that relationship and out of that Bible study started a night of worship ministry that grew to almost three, 4,000 college students by the time I graduated. Out of that, I landed an opportunity to go to Tanzania and film a documentary of a missionary clinic over there. And my love for international ministry started. Out of that, I got an opportunity to pastor down in South America. Out of that, I got connected with the church in South Florida. Out of that, I met Pastor Travis. Out of that, I met Pastor Craig. And out of that, I'm now pastoring the church in Kingston, Jamaica and get to be a part of the water. You see how making disciples can lead to your next step? I would just challenge some of you today as we end out our time together and worship God because he's worthy. If you don't know what to do this week, ask God and make disciples. Ask God and cast the net. Ask God and go fish. Somebody say, go fish. Somebody say, go fish. Let's stand to our feet right now. God, thank you so much that we get to fish for men. Thank you so much that you caught us, Jesus. Thank you that it's not about a trophy catch, but it's a catch and release. Thank you, God, that you have released us to be a part of this journey. And God, as we worship you right now, I pray that you would open our mind and ears and hearts to see where we need to cast our nets, how we can cast these nets together. And God, thank you that we get to go fishing. Amen.